Welcome to Faux Planet, the hydrogen podcast. My name is Antoine and I'm doing a 7,000 kilometers bike trip to interview hydrogen actors. Uh, can you start to present yourself and uh, what you're doing uh, in hydrogen? Well, uh, hi, my uh, name is Michel Tamarzians. Uh, I live in Delft in the Netherlands and I've studied uh, Bachelor of Mechanical Engineering and a Master of Sustainable Energy Technology. And uh, my focus was on the solar energy uh, conversion to hydrogen. And uh, currently I'm working as a freelancer uh, into uh, several hydrogen projects and the main one is actually the development of uh, type 4 tanks to store uh, hydrogen which is gonna probably help us with the uh, large storage uh, solutions uh, we need towards a green energy transition perfect can we start with um, solar energy mm. like um, how it um, decreased in cost in 10 years and what happened in 10 years uh, just to do a Okay. Yeah, so uh, with the solar energy, uh, as you say, in 10 years the cost has decreased significantly and uh, one of those things is uh, because the materials that are being used now are much cheaper to fabricate so that your solar cells are becoming cheaper and thus your solar panels but also actually eventually the economic of scale has been applied which first it was more custom designed solar panels but now it's just been producing high, large volumes of solar panels and also the efficiency has gone much higher like the the most simple ones which is mostly in the market are the mono and polycrystalline silicons which are the cheapest one and about efficiency about 20 percent and that's mostly used in on large solar parks but um Another uh, reason which I think is uh, decreasing the cost of solar panels is because people are becoming more aware and there are also more people want to still have solar panels because they, they believe in the green energy solutions and they also and that helps the whole large volume productions uh, of solar panels. And this is uh, one of the only solution uh you mean to have uh, to decrease the cost? Uh, yeah, no, to to everyone to get green energy, uh, solar panel, uh, like uh, one of the only solution uh, practical. That's at the moment, it's the easiest solution to have more, let's say, an you know, individual base because a windmill, a wind, uh, having a windmill park is of course produces a lot of energy, and you have that more year round than solar panels. But having a windmill in your own backyard doesn't make sense unless you live somewhere in the US with nobody around you. You can have one mill windmill. That's why solar panels is uh, easier to uh, imply in the urban environments, like where people just are living. And the windmills is it's better used to have it more offshore, and then because on sea you just have much more wind, which produces yeah. much more energy. And that's why I think. Yeah, solar panels is an easier way like uh, I, I don't want to say small scale because you have a large solar parks also in the Netherlands but it's just easier to apply rather than a big uh, like uh, building a big windmill somewhere in the middle of uh, someone's backyard yeah. middle of speech of course and um, 
And so um, the problem is that uh, one solar panel will not produce uh, enough energy. How many, uh, how many uh, solar panel is needed to produce uh, enough energy to, uh, for a house, for example? Uh, so the, well, uh, yeah. So the um, I, about let's say about twenty um, solar panels per household are required to produce energy that you need. But then you have the uh, issue with the seasonal uh, fluctuations, which we all know. Uh, people are mostly using batteries now in these days, or they're feeding the surplus of energy to the grid. And then when it's winter, they're uh, like they're uh, taking back from the grid. So to solve that, you don't only need the solar panel, you need a small battery, right? Because you can overcome the daily fluctuations. But the seasonal, and that's where I also looked uh, with my thesis, I looked into it to convert it into a different kind of fuel, like hydrogen. And that way you can, all the surplus energy that you don't need in the summer with the solar panels, those 20 solar panels produce enough energy for a household to uh, provide the required energy in the summer and all the, all the surplus is converted into hydrogen and stored as such and in the winter yeah you can't have enough energy uh, produced by the solar panels to all the moments you have a deficit of solar energy all the stored hydrogen can be converted back to electricity with a fuel cell and that way you can have actually a, yeah unless an off-grid sustainable house without the requirement of any grid but the drawback is of course that although we said the solar panels are really cheap that's not an issue with the problem is uh, with uh, all other components that you require for such a system like a battery or compressor because you need to compress uh, to compressize the hydrogen yeah. to store it because it's quite voluminous and you also need a fuel cell an electrolyzer and all those components haven't reached the economic of scale and that's because there's still are many are made they exist for more than 50 years and efficiency is maybe increasing every year maybe by a half percent or percentage which is all nice but as long as we don't hit the economy of scale those products can't be as cheap as solar panels and that's why from a technical feasibility it's possible to already implement uh, such a system for a household or for an urban environment and have a totally off-grid solution from an economical uh, point of view it's still not feasible because the cost you're paying is is much much more above the 20 cent uh, euro cent per kilowatt hour that we're paying right now if you like if you connect it to the grid okay and uh, so one big issue is the storage of uh, hydrogen and so uh, what are you working uh, where are you working uh, on the, uh, you are working on those uh, issues yeah so uh what i've seen on in the industry so far is actually uh yeah there are many uh, uh windmill producers solar panel producers electrolyzer producers compressor fuel cell battery actually almost every component has a lot of producers but not hit all have hit the economic of scale but what is missing is actually the large storage solution because it's nice to have a big like to solve the seasonal fluctuation in the form of hydrogen 
but we need really large storage solutions and uh, what I'm working on together with uh, other, other partners we're working uh, yeah, in a company called H2 Storage and uh, we're working on developing uh, the so-called type 4 tanks which can uh, store hydrogen for a long term but we're mostly focusing on storing as much as possible kilograms of hydrogen in one tank and preferably we're looking into to uh, making stand-sized containers either 20 feet or 40 feet containers and just filled with all of these tanks that you can like put such a container at a windmill park or a solar park all the surplus energy or even every energy is converted directly into hydrogen stored in such of containers and then you can easily transport this container from A to B either over land or in the future overseas when the regulations are, can be changed and you, and you can stack also easily these containers and I use it every, anywhere you want, let's say a film station yeah eventually hydrogen field stages are gonna happen and are happening and there are gonna be more and more but it's easier to have uh, let's say your container replaced every week rather than uh, every couple of days uh, you need to uh, fill again the, all the tanks it's easier to have a whole standardized solution um, yeah I think that's a good way to start making the energy energy transition happen um, and uh, another thing what I uh, uh, and yeah and another solution is that in the Netherlands the whole uh, the Dutch word is the the PFAS uh, issue which is all the construction companies all the construction places aren't allowed to uh, Oh, well, they're still allowed, but they have an issue with the whole uh, uh, toxic gases which is going into atmosphere, all the diesel generators they're using. So what we want to look with such a container is, it's not only the container you can put on a construction site, you can easily fill all the construction machinery, which will be on hydrogen of course, you can fill them overnight, so during the day they can just work easily, hold their or what you do is, of course, you can uh, take a standardized container, you have all the tanks, you replace certain amount of the tanks with a fuel cell, and you actually have a generator, but then a green generator working on hydrogen instead of a diesel one. And I think with these uh, smart solutions, you can eventually try to, let's say, make uh, large things happen, and you can, yeah, you, you, need, you need to uh, have bigger steps, to make the energy transition happen faster because otherwise I don't think with all the small steps we're taking it's really gonna happen yeah as the politicians really want in 2030 I mean that's what, what we all want but what would be a, a, a big step a, a big step is uh, a, a big step is I think solving the issue how to and that's what we're working so to we can produce hydrogen easily at large uh, quantities, large amounts. And uh, on the other hand, you have all the uh, fueling stations, you have all the automotive side, which are eager to like convert their fleet on hydrogen, but you just want to make sure, like you don't that you don't have to drive 200 kilometers to the nearest fueling station. You want to have it as close as possible. That means 
we need a good way to transport a large sum of hydrogen from location A to B where it's where it's produced A and B where it's needed. And I think that's I think that's the easiest solution for now. And that's what we're working on. That's what with the standardization of those containers. I think that's a big step. Yeah. To uh, yeah. Yeah. Big step uh, to go forward and to to transport exactly. yeah, lots of energy, uh, lots of energy. And so, what is um, what are the technological barriers uh, by creating this? It's uh, yeah, the technological barriers for these uh, kind of tanks uh, is actually um, it's mostly the permeability of hydrogen. Uh, as we know, hydrogen is a gas that can easily escape. Uh, which is also a good thing because you, then you don't, as long as you have a good ventilation in your area, you don't get any explosion, which is a common mistake people always uh, uh, believe. Um, but the barrier is, well, the, the tanks we're talking about, we're talking about a diameter of uh, 500 millimeters and about a length of almost two and a half meter length. Uh, and the barrier is that it hasn't been done yet, this large, uh, tanks that so-called type 4 that has, has a inner liner of plastic and an outer shell of a composite and also the yeah that that's I, that's actually the the most difficult technical barrier we need to overcome to make sure that even this large if you can when you can um, storage a large amount of hydrogen that it can still endure all those pressures because for a normal work pressure of 700 bar, according to the ADR regulation, you need a safety factor of three. That means that all these tanks have to be able to endure at least 2,100 bar burst pressure. Uh, but I believe that uh, so far with the simulation we have done and the detailed engineering, we have reached a burst pressure of 2,300 bar. So simulation-wise, I believe that it's possible, but of course it is still product development. And I really believe we can make it happen, but yeah, as we all know, the practice first, the theoretical part is a totally different uh, approach. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that will be technical barrier because material-wise, yeah, it can also be an issue because um, uh, yeah, the composite outer shell is made of toprac, and toprac is. Uh, a uh, combination of carbon uh, fibers with uh, epoxy resin and carbon fiber is currently quite expensive material and it isn't like uh, limitless uh, available because yeah it's it's uh, and it you can make it but also the production of carbon fibers really really especially I mean it, it has reached economic of scale because all the airplanes uh, mostly are made for all the other space components uh, also like the Galileo project has a lot of compo composite or carbon fiber parts but if we go into uh, let's say the production of just say no, uh, 60,000 of these tanks per year only from our side uh, I'm talking about yeah, yeah about 200 kilogram per tank so 60,000 times 2200 that is about how much is that 60,600 is about uh, yeah 
one, uh, 12 million kilograms of uh, carbon fiber. Okay. Which is, yeah, there are companies I've spoken to, and most companies have a production uh, level of 2,000 uh, kilograms per month. So if you need 12 million kilograms a year, everybody has to step up the game. Everybody. Okay. So that's going to also be, uh, I mean, it just that's ramping up the production, but still, not of only from our side, but everybody has to step up the game and ramp up their facilities. And that's, I think, more technological barrier than the whole, let's say, the engineering, because we're, we're just using all the expertise, all the knowledge that it's already there, because these tanks, yeah, they've been, or the plastic we were using, or the composite material, I mean, They've been around for more than 50, 60, 70 years, actually. Yeah, so... Uh, so it's not, it's not rocket science, to be, uh, say it that way. But it's, uh, it's a combination that the whole chain has to come together. And uh, it's uh, like... Uh, one thing we always... Which I actually really hate to say always. It's also... The, everybody says always the chicken or the egg story. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really like that. I don't like saying it. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Yeah, that's eventually someone has to take the first big step, and uh, yeah, we're trying with H2 Stories. We're trying to do that, and I hope uh, it will encourage other uh, companies to uh, yeah to help us with that. Actually, okay, perfect, and um, and so uh, I, I I think about the question that we were speaking. Uh, can you you explain me a little bit uh, what's the work uh, because yeah the issues we spoke about and so what's the, the the other work yeah to 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 make the project real if you think about something you mean our project yeah. or uh, general hydrogen no I, this project uh, your project uh, to make it real um, you know so what we really need now have to do is actually we really have to detail design the tank yeah and uh, we're looking into the to find out let's say an optimal solution in dimension wise that you can store as much as hydrogen so that yeah you can transfer as much as hydrogen but that also in the future when all the hydrogen trucks or vehicles and actually mostly the heavy duty transport is is converting to the hydrogen that the same tank can be used and that's actually uh, for us that's why for us the important thing you have a you have actually a standardized solution that can be applied to different uh, sectors because, because today it's, uh, there is a lot of things uh, exactly like there are some com uh, our competitors the, they have different dimension tanks with all different dimensions which is really nice but that doesn't reduce the cost because as long as things are custom designed or are only on a project basis you can't reduce the cost by the moment you reach a certain production levels that's when yeah economic of scale happens and that's when you can really reduce the cost that it becomes beneficial for uh, yeah, for everybody yeah, of course. And so today, um, which uh, company wants to do this project of standardization? It's uh, H2 Storage. H2 Storage. Yeah. Okay. It's and called so H2 Storage. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we're doing now the final design. 
and uh, beginning of quarter two in 2021 we're gonna go to the testing testing and certification agency and okay. we're gonna yeah then it's gonna actually be tested at those burst pressure and all of that and some tests are really nice because some are tested even uh, they test to setting it on fire uh, they shoot at it uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and uh, th there are some really extreme tests but when it it has passed all of that you get the certification and then uh, yeah I, I really hope that uh, with this company uh, I think September 2021 that we're ready to go uh, on the market yeah. and then of course it's still gonna be uh, we can't produce uh, 60,000 a year at that moment but then we have a certified vessel and then it's simply a matter of uh, setting up yeah of course your uh, production facilities and it's the same uh, material that in uh, tanks uh, for cars for example uh, yeah so cars the small cars uh, like uh, passenger vehicles they also yeah. have uh, the type 4 uh, tanks but there's the they're more in the I think they about maybe three kilograms in each tank which are really small tanks and we're looking to uh, store about uh, 15 kilogram per tank 15 15 so it's significant that's why that's why so it's really going to be for the heavy duty transport and mostly for large storage solution it's not going to be for the passenger vehicles because because the question is um which i we still also need to look into the electrical part okay because for yeah as long as the fuel cell and the electrolyzer are too expensive a hydrogen passenger vehicle is really expensive compared to an electrical one especially if you're only going mostly driving at 100 kilometers a day because that's not that's not that much you can easily reach that with an electrical vehicle but like say with the heavy duty transport if you have to go from uh, the Netherlands to uh, East Europe where if you need to drive six seven eight hundred kilometers a day <laughs> Yeah, you're not gonna do it on electrical and also batteries are too heavy so i think the most important thing is we need to find a good balance what where to imply hydrogen where to imply electric vehicles i mean it, it's still i mean the one is based on molecules and the one other one is based on electrons but i mean the principle of hydrogen cars of course the same it uses the same electrical motor as electrical the difference is you add a fuel cell and a storage tank that's actually the only difference yeah. so it's not that hard like to convert an electrical to hydrogen but the question is where is which one is better for which sector yeah of and uh, yeah there are a lot of people saying uh, electrical won't work because uh, you have an um, the grid is uh, like um, overcompensated it's overcharged okay uh, there are other uh, say uh, yeah but hydrogen is too expensive especially the the price of hydrogen now is really expensive which they both have a valid point and that's thing the the thing is why wouldn't they exist parallel next to each other you just use the one which is better for a certain sector and you apply the different technology to the sector where it's useful yeah of course instead of saying the one is bad the other one is good just focus on that <laughs> we because we don't care <laughs> exactly eventually the goal is the energy transition has to happen have a zero emission transport and a neutral uh, 
uh, economy. And That's the goal. Yeah. And if you do it 50-50, 20-50, or even maybe a different way of, uh, let's say, liquid hydrogen, which is a whole uh, story apart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I think that's what we all need to understand. Like it's, yeah, we have to work together instead of uh, saying that one idea is bad and the other one. Uh, and uh, and a little question for the storage. Uh, could we put it in a different form, like an ammoniac? It could be a solution too, or what's the problem? Do you know? Uh, uh, well, um, it's the tanks were so if you ever you, you have a tank designed and developed for hydrogen, yeah, which is the uh, most difficult gas to contain in a in a tank or a vessel. If you have that, it's easily can be used for different gases like for helium, argon, for uh, ammonia. It's uh, it's all quite easy because those are less diffuse than hydrogen, okay. but of course. But ammonia depends which solutions or sorry uh, application you're gonna use because yeah just burning ammonia yeah you got again you have the NOx so you okay. have to take care of other solutions which we uh, what we also of course uh, discussed and you mentioned yeah the the burning of hydrogen yeah gives different toxic gases which are also bad for the environment and the atmosphere so and also the efficiency of burning hydrogen compared to Convert to electricity is just, uh, yeah, big difference. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if we transform it in ammoniac, it's like um, we can use it uh, more, more. It's less um, complicated, but yeah, you need to find either a solution to re-transform it in hydrogen, but yep. it will be very complicated, or burn it, and uh, this uh, have an impact on environment. Yeah, and that's uh, also that. That's why. Uh, Hydrogen is a really a clean way to uh, convert energy into hydrogen and convert it back to electricity because there are no side gases or side products that are uh, toxic or dam damage the environment. But of course, as I said, you need to look different sector and application because yeah, uh, yeah, flying uh, purely on hydrogen. Yeah, that's gonna that's possible, and people are working, and technically it, it will be feasible for short distances for an hour. But of course, going from here to uh, Asia or uh, somewhere else, which we all love to do, <laughs> it's not it's not possible because the efficiency is just so low compared to a traditional combustion engine, which is yeah. So we need to uh, think smart. And although, of course, I also want to have an energy-neutral environment economy as soon as possible, but if it's economically not feasible for, like for the, for the average consumer and the governments can't give with subsidies and so, yeah, we, we need to take it in, this, uh, in a stepwise and don't say, okay, uh, let's say, uh, fuck it. That yeah. way and uh, okay everything is banned we're all going new renewable which is I would love that but if you can't uh, help financially the people who can't afford it doesn't make sense of course so just and that's and that's I think it needs to come a lot from the political uh, and the governments and also and the governments what I believe is they, they have to 
think smart about the subsidies they're giving, which is fine, but try to focus on the projects that really help, like uh, setting big steps towards that. And let's say, uh, I, I read a project that someone uh, was working on a barbecue uh, on the hydrogen field, which I'm that's a nice that's that's more a hobby project rather than a solving the like solving the problem yeah so yeah well i i don't know that in detail maybe it's really efficient it's much better but i think it's still yeah the big issue is in the transportation uh, sector and the industry those are the two sectors we really need to find a way how to embrace the renewable energies into and not the yeah the hobby project that uh, yeah but yeah Can that's that's just my opinion and uh, and uh, so uh, one solution is to take the um, how do you say pipelines to take the pipelines uh, yeah that that's uh, already uh, used and uh, so how does it work uh, today yeah so uh, the pipelines that's exactly what they're uh, working on the netherlands uh, what i know about that is that uh, they're experimenting a lot like to increasing the mixture of hydrogen into the natural gas pipelines uh, pipelines and i think they're uh, almost up to 40 percent now and they believe that that's a bit the maximum required because just having hydrogen in pipeline you need to uh, yeah, you need to increase the pressure higher than natural gas because it's, uh, the volume mass ratio is uh, less favorable than uh, natural gas. Um, so I know there are a lot of experiments happening and they want, that's a way like to look into uh, uh, how you can uh, go from the industry, from the shell, the gas uni, you go from the urban environments and then use like, uh, extract the hydrogen from that and use it in a hydrogen boiler instead of a traditional gas boiler to heat up a house which is a nice idea and it's a good way for the transition but the, the question arises then okay you burning hydrogen still gives different gases we need to take care of also a traditional uh, heat pump is much more efficient than a hydrogen boiler but of course a heat pump is again much more expensive than a hydrogen boiler. Yeah. So what's the difference be between the boiler and a heat pump? Uh, you mean technical, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, technical is a let's say simply said a boiler is like uh, yeah, just old gas boiler. You just feel in hydrogen, it's burned and it gives out energy. Okay. And a heat pump is works on electricity, so you just convert the hydrogen together with oxygen to electricity and you and it's power a, the heat it's pump. a power cell uh, cell fuel yeah fuel cell yeah it's it's yeah no well not no no you you have in front of that you have a fuel cell so heat heat pump is just like the it's literally just putting it let's in a, in a plug plugging okay. it in and it heats up your house okay. and it needs electricity so efficiency is much higher but the cost of a heat pump is also really much higher so a lot of people don't do that because uh, yeah, a heat pump is uh, yeah, a heat pump is mostly used and uh, easy to use in the like let's say in the really in the city areas where 
the crowd is big a lot of people are living close to each other but yeah, it's just so expensive that it's as i said with other you can't accept every cons uh, consumer just buy a heat pump for itself because oh, yeah it, it, yeah of course it's better but yeah it's expensive so so it needs to come from also uh, from different ways and that's the difference simply like simply put the difference okay. between those two yeah okay and so the pipeline yeah today uh, we are using they're working there uh, people are exactly uh, some uh Netherlands or some pilot projects in uh, i think rosendal and other in utrecht somewhere and they're uh, like they're building their uh totally new uh, housing projects which are only going to work on hydrogen okay only on hydrogen and then uh, some of them are building it with heat pumps and some are building it with hydrogen uh, boilers okay and they're using uh, yeah some place they can use the gas pipes just to uh, uh, bring uh, bring the hydrogen uh, hydrogen natural gas mixture there and then uh, extract it and others are looking for solutions uh, to uh, and that's maybe a solution we can with H2 storage we can provide is just that you have put a container with the whole installation you put somewhere in the not just outside the urban uh, or just outside the housing uh, uh, field and then those let's say 20 households or whatever yeah. can be sustainable and off-grid they don't really need but these are more pilot projects to get the whole hydrogen economy working and running that everything goes to the economic of scale rather than like having only all uh, different of loose projects uh, hydrogen products everywhere because they're just too expensive yeah that, of course. that's that's we need not to beneficial concentrate and uh, to do a big production uh, what we don't have today uh, yeah. because we don't know how to to store it and to, yeah. to transport it so that's the the problem that's the key to solve thank you so much thank you as well thank you. <laughs> it was nice <laughs>